The following episode of Sideline Stories is brought to you by our good friends at Stridal. Head to stridal.com now to check out an amazing list of available horses amongst some of the top syndicates and trainers in the country for this upcoming spring carnival season. Don't just watch the races, own the excitement. Head to stridal.com now to get shopping. All right, guys, welcome back. Sideline Stories, got a special one. We got Jack Jenkins, UFC fighter, fighting this weekend in the UFC. Welcome, mate. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much for coming, We've mate. We've been tearing this up for a while, mate, and it's, it's good to actually finally be in the presence and finally meet you, mate. So, it's yeah, thank you for coming on. No, you're welcome, 100%. I'm, uh, I said I've been going to come up to Sydney for a while. There was one we were trying to come up when I was doing some media stuff a few months ago and it just didn't work out. So, now I'm wrapped. We get it done. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, 100% long time coming, but... At least we can get it in. Fight week, it's huge. I know you're a very, very busy man. Yeah. So what's it like so far? Like, hectic schedule, I'm sure. Yeah, full-on schedule. Um, fly up Tuesday, media commitments all Tuesday afternoon. Yesterday, full day of media, plus you're fitting your training in and stuff. And then today I had a little bit of time and I've um, got you guys and I did another podcast earlier this morning with Tommy Papley. And, Lovely. Um, and then after this one, I'm, I'm pretty much done and then i got to start cutting weight, which is, you know... Um, not the funnest thing in the world, yeah. but I actually don't struggle too much with it. and It's part of the process. So, With the cut and weight, is it like the old jockey trick? Is it getting the shower hot and then getting the exercise bike out or yeah, what similar, does it entail? Like similar. It just depends on your preference. Like some people like to sauna, some people like to run the start of their weight off, some people like to sit on a bike. Me personally, I like to change it up a little bit. So I always try and get down to a certain weight the night before the weigh-in yep. just so I know I don't have like a massive day the next day. Yep. So like I'll, I'll try and get a kilo off tonight or something like that with just like I won't even struggle. I'll just put yeah. put a jumper and pants on and move around, get mm. some pads, sit on a bike for 20 minutes and that'll do that. And then tomorrow I'll wake up and, you know, do the last two and a half, three kilos. What about um, food-wise like this week? What do you like? Do you have to plan out all your meals come like fight week obviously? Yeah, so, so what? what should be a bag over there. I get my meals delivered every morning. Yeah, so, nice. Um, I've got a dietitian like and a team, and they have a chef. So the dietitian tells the chef what to make. The chef cooks it, and then it all gets delivered to me. So I don't beauty, know. nice and easy. Yeah, yeah. What's it like with that compared to back in the day when you're on the local scene? I'm sure you were cooking it all yourself. hundred percent. Like that's the people ask about fight week, and by the time I get to fight week, now that I'm in the UFC, you look forward to it. Like you mm. get to do fun stuff like this. Your days are planned out for you. Everything you need is at your fingertips. Like they try and make it as easy as they possibly can for you. Um, and like back in the day, it was like wake up, you're cutting weight already, you're under coals, you got to buy your eggs, you're cooking, you're sitting by yourself. Yeah, so There's no media, no yeah. nothing to do. So you're yeah. just going over the fight and the weight cut in your head. Just clock watching. Constantly, constantly. And like I, I had fight weeks that, like looking back on it, honestly felt like three weeks. Like seven days just feels like three weeks. Mm. Whereas now, by the time it gets to Tuesday, we're at Thursday already, tomorrow I weigh in and I fight on Sunday. Like it goes like that, Yeah, which is good. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm getting better every time I fight and particularly in the UFC of just taking it in your stride and, and enjoying it. Like mm. you can kind of, like even an example of doing something like this, this is something that out of fight week I would enjoy. In the past, you kind of limit yourself where you go, I don't want to do stuff I enjoy or like take my focus away from the fight or anything like that. And I just found that that made me so much worse. I was like, you think you spend enough time thinking about the fight yeah. in the lead up and everything anyway. Why would you abstain from doing things you would enjoy during fight week? Like, yeah. It's not going to affect my performance or my training or my weight cut. What's the problem? So um, now I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying the whole experience a lot more as I've matured into it. That's good. Cause I'm sure a few guys would probably be pretty full on. They'd be, Nobody talked to me. Let me focus whole week. I want to be in my element, in my zone. Especially yeah. those big boys that are trying to really cut weight and yeah, then really yeah. try and rehydrate. For like, sure. And, like, I don't cut a small amount of weight. Like, I'm on the higher end of the scale, but I'm probably, like, so my dietitian does, like, four world champions. He does, like, a heap of guys on the UFC roster, and he says that I'm tied number one or number two of, like, best weight cutters. Like, yeah, nice. in terms of doesn't complain, gets the weight off quick, does is, is professional in it um so it's not that i cut a small amount of weight it's just that you know I just have, better I have a good system. yeah, yeah. Nice. like you guys just met jacob um yeah. so jacob's my mate and um he fights as well on the amateur scene and he's um every fight i just fly him with me and he hangs out with me so like you have that familiarity like yeah he knows what to do so 
I get up and I start cutting weight. He's getting things set up. He's getting this done. He's getting that done. So I don't even have to think. So I'm pretty lucky. I've got a great team around me and yeah, it is what it is. Be nice prep for him as well because I'm sure his goals are ultimately to get to here. So yeah, exactly. at least he gets to see how it all works. 100%. And when it's his turn, like I'll go when he fights anywhere, I go with him. Yeah, beauty. The same thing. So it's good. You want to just kind of minimize too many outside outside inputs. Noise and stuff. Yeah, yeah. like little things like, like I remember back in the day, if, if I was like a couple of days out from a weight cut yeah. and somebody would be like, oh, geez, you all right? You don't look well. <laughs> and it's like, fuck you. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Wait, like, yeah. That's just what you don't <laughs> need. Then, eh? yeah. and, then you go, and then you go home and you're like, you're like, fuck, am I too skinny? Like, yeah. I, am I, yeah. I going to struggle to make the weight? And you get in your head. I know all fighters go through this shit. I've spoken to everyone about mm. it and it's, it's all the same. Whereas you just want people around who have been there before, who know how to work it, who know the right things to say or not say at the mm. right times and then just get it done. Is that what you find, like, especially with the weight cutting, it's not necessarily physically as hard as it, it's more like mentally challenging, you reckon? For sure. So like, you know, the, the old saying like fear of cold water is always greater than the actual experience of cold water. Yeah. Like, yeah. If you're about to get in an ice yeah, bath, yeah. you're like, fuck, fuck. And then you get in, you're like, it wasn't that bad. Mm-hmm. Cutting weight is the same. And I've had I've had some bad weight cut experiences and some really cruisy ones. Um, the good thing is I've never, ever struggled really hard to get to featherweight. Like every time I've ever gone to featherweight, it's easy. I've, I've tried to go to Bantam once and that was a fucking horrific experience. Yeah. Um, but uh, for the most part, it's just lock in, don't complain, keep your positive mindset and get through it. I'm yeah. sure the morning you wake up, okay, time to weigh in, like you'd feel pretty fucking depleted, eh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. Like, you guys would see me on the scale and you go, fuck, he doesn't look like that normally. <laughs> like, even, um, like, if you saw me four weeks ago, yeah. you would look at me now and go, well, you look a lot thinner. Yeah. It's just like I've, I've just, I've been dropping weight naturally through fight camp anyway, and now I'm sort of depleting myself as I go. Like, I just want to ask, because you're all depleted come scales time, how much actually goes back in before you make the cage? Because I know that it's a yeah. Yeah, a lot. So I my last fight, I weighed in at 145 pounds. Yeah. yeah. And when I got on the bus to go to the venue, I was 166 pounds. Jesus. Jesus. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah no. What's that wow. like, like, like kilos? Because I obviously... Um, um, so I saw 66 kilos was what I weighed in at. Yeah. And what's 166? 166 is at 75. Yeah, yeah, wow. Okay. Jeez, so Jesus. What, and that's overnight, whereas now yeah. for this one, I've got two nights. Yeah. yeah. So I weigh in Friday, fight Sunday. So I've got yeah. two nights. Yeah. The, the challenge for me this time will be try not to get too big. Yeah, yeah fair enough. You wanna, the, ideally, you want to fight at the weight you spend all your time sparring and training at during yeah. fight camp. Right? Mm. So it feels natural. Yeah, so I spend most of my training during fight camp training between 74 and 75 yeah like that's usually that sweet spot where i feel really good if i wake up in between that so i'll try and get the weight off and get back in between that mark yeah nice is and that uh is it i'm sure it wouldn't be dirty bulk sort of thing so how do you get it all in what sort so of foods and is it just plenty so, of liquid yeah liquids mostly is where the weight comes from but foods it's all dietitian stuff so like they measure down to the gram of carbs gram yeah. of salt gram yeah. of sugar so i get like a schedule i get an a4 piece of paper and it'll be like first half hour of this second half hour of this after that have a little snack see how your stomach feels then go this the half hour after that yeah. and you've got like the full blocked out usually the first 12 hours are pretty thing and then after that you get a bit of like eat what you would normally like eat what makes you feel good but yep. my rule is every Friday when I spar, um, I eat the same things and I try mm. and do the same thing the night before. So yep. I do that before a fight. So after I've rehydrated and stuff, what do I eat the night before sparring? I'll eat that the night before. Yeah, what do I okay. eat the morning of sparring? Yeah. I'll eat that again and then just try and replicate how you feel there. Yeah, fair enough. And then moving into the fight, how are you feeling going in against your opponent, obviously? So how yeah, are you feeling? Yeah, really good. No, I had, I had a good camp. Um, I was... Uh, you know, strong and fit coming back from America. So it was just about maintaining that fitness and, and trying to correct a few errors that were made in, in the last fight, which is, you know, what you try and do every time. Just I'm super critical of myself um, after every fight. Like even my best performance is like, well, I should have done this or I should have done that, which I think is what, like, I think that's a fairly common thread among elite athletes is always looking at something to, yeah. to fix. Um, so we thought we addressed those things really well and now it's just excited for this fight. Yeah, yeah, from nice. the research I've done, because I'm not too familiar on your opponent, but 
the, the word on the street is you're very similar in the styles you go about it. You're both kickboxers, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. So without giving too much away, like what do you think, how are you going to get on top of him? Um, so it's important for me not to get involved in like a car crash, we call it. So some fighters, so he probably isn't as clean as me technically, right? So he doesn't yep. have the same fainting. He doesn't have the same crispness in his striking. So what he'll try and do is just come forward and create a car crash with me. So he'll swing a lot and, and then hope that I just swing back. And then it's just like, you know, who's got the puncher's chance there? And he's obviously really good at doing that. Yeah. Um, so the thing for me is just going to be, you know, be on the be on the front in the car crash. So don't don't get pushed back too much, but don't engage in it. Mm. Stay on the outside, pick him apart with my jabs and my teep kicks. And then once that car crash dissipates, because you can't make a car crash for three rounds. You just can't yeah. do it. You get yeah. a few minutes, maybe three minutes. And then after that, it goes back to just a fight where we're standing in front of each other. 100%. So when we get back to that range uh, on the outside, just pick him apart. Fair enough. And is the, with the leg kick, like obviously, mm. was it five out of the last seven you've broken yeah, the legs? Yeah, five or four. Five or four. Jeez, you've been hearing that a lot this yeah. week as well. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah That's another that thing that's yeah. going to... Yeah, and I had some guy like... <laughs> I know if you saw the dabble ad and some guy commented, he's like, this guy's never broken a leg. Oh, I did say that. <laughs> and like, this is bullshit. And I'm like, mate, like, I'm literally friends with the guys I've fought. And they, like, put up Instagram stories like, yeah, I broke my leg. Like, Yeah, I, was, I actually yeah. saw, what did he say? He was like, oh, yeah, he, he kicks one guy's leg and he tells him that he broke it and that's all that's happened. Yeah, and mate, I'm like, I'm and like, then like, I saw oh. double commented back as well, like, yeah. all right, and, champ. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, like, the other ones, it's like, um, my coach is friends with my opponent's coach. And my coach... Their coach is at the hospital after the fight, like, yeah, we're here. He's broken his leg. Like, yeah. And it's like, well, I'm not just fucking going around. <laughs> yeah, I'm breaking legs, boys. Like, there's some ones where people, like, have incorrectly reported for sure, like, mm. oh, you broke this leg. When I didn't, even though I kicked the leg hard, it was like, yeah. that leg didn't break or whatever. But, yeah, um, it's, a, it's a good moniker to have. And I hope that what happens is people go into fights with me and they think, well, this guy's going to kick my leg. Because as soon yeah. as somebody's thinking about what I'm going to do instead of what they're going to do, I'm already in the lead. Because is that something that just comes to you into the cage? Like you're not going in like I'm just going to target the leg. It's just if it opens up, just I kick. As a, I had it as a plan for one fight, to be honest. But yeah. other than that, it's just if it's there, I'll hit it. Yeah, yeah fair enough. Yeah. Well, it's such an asset that it's been working. Yeah. Um, I just want to move back into Perth here. Mm-hmm. My brother actually went to the fight you met before and um, he sent me a Snapchat and holy fuck, you kicked that leg hard. <laughs> yeah. I, I could hear the slap through the phone. I, I was wearing headphones and I tell you now it's so loud. Um, what about the crowd that day at Perth? How how loud was that? Could you hear it, or are you just yeah, in your so, own little world? Well, so um, I've 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 spent a lot of time as I got towards the UFC, like trying to find my like where I perform at my peak. Mm-hmm. And where I perform at my peak is like if I walk out and I enjoy that moment with the crowd and like sort of feed off their energy, and then as soon as I get to the cage and start getting vassed up, then sort of block that out. Yeah, yeah. and I've been able to do that really well. So Perth was like so big for me in that walked out in front of my family, friends, home crowd. The crowd went ballistic when I walked out. Um, And then when I got to the cage, I was able to just shut it off. So I didn't hear anything from the crowd during the fight. Yeah. Um, And then I just enjoyed it again on the way out. That's crazy. So it's like to you, it just sounded the same as if you were in the gym in the middle of Melbourne sort of thing. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Oh, fair. That's a that's a good point. And then also during that fight, there was a lot of like stoppages. You getting kicked in the balls and stuff. Is that like distracting? Do you reckon? Or like, because it happened twice in that one. Yeah, you want to stay present. Um, so it is, and it's not like it's part of like you get kicked in sparring. Yeah, and you have to like adjust and keep going. So it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, Mm -hmm. because I definitely when um I was watching it, I was like, holy fuck, he's two in a row. Like, surely that can't be good, and that's. Yeah, it's fucking annoying well, me. I know I, it probably would have annoyed you. Yeah. Well. I've been kicked in the balls in like my last three fights. Yeah, and it's it's because I switch stances so much. Yeah. yeah. So my left leg's forward, and they'll go to kick, and in their head they're thinking to kick that leg, mm. and I've already switched stances. So then my dick is facing right, where <laughs> yeah. dick is and, and that sort of thing. And then there was one in the last fight where it was a knee coming up. And mm. the knee, like the foot just kind of extended underneath the knee and the shin just went straight up. In. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. Jesus right. Christ. And then we'll take, we'll move all the way back now. So, you, you obviously, um, how, did, how did it come about? So, I know your brother started um, as a kickboxer. Is that where you kind of started getting into your, your fight game or is it somewhere else that started? Yeah, so my brother was a kickboxer and um, he, he, I used to say, oh, I can't come up to the gym or whatever. And I think I was like 13 
about 13 and I was a little bit chubby, I reckon. And I was just like, oh, well, I'll go up. And mm. he was loving it. So he took me up and I just fell in love like instantly. Yeah. Like yeah. similar to like, I imagine there's kids who play a game of soccer and they kick a goal and they're just like, yeah, this is me. It's me for yeah. life. Soccer guy. Yeah. 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 And I went up. I remember the first time I sparred and I definitely wasn't winning the sparring match, but like I would land a shot and I'd be like, this is like, fun. This yeah. is, fun. Like, yeah. this is mm. so enjoyable. And then I found myself going home and thinking about it. And then I just went, you know what, this is what I want to do. And I never wanted to be a kickboxer. I always wanted to be in the UFC. Yeah. So just applied my trade at kickboxing growing up and, and staying there. And then when I was sort of 16, a jiu-jitsu gym opened in Melton, which is 15 minutes away from us. And I went down there and then started adding it all together. Fair enough. Usually, if there's a footy player on, we'll ask him many, you know, backyard rugby games on. But in your case, two brothers are kickboxers. Many backyard scraps happen. Break yeah, out. we scrapped a bit. Probably like, <laughs> probably not as much as you would think because, like, you do, like, we sparred. Yeah. You know, so, like, I always knew growing up, fucking Ben would flog me. Like, he yeah. was older yeah. than me and a lot yeah. better. Like, he was so talented. He was such a good mm. kickboxer. So, I was like, I was never going to try and scrap him. Yeah. Yeah. So, that little brother aspect <laughs> where you're like, more, all right. More verbal. Put the yeah. pads on, I'll spy you. Yeah, well, stay the fuck away from me if yeah, you get mad. Exactly. It was it was a, non, a non-issue. We, we had a couple of scraps, but nothing too big. And you played a bit of rugby as well, was it? Was it union or league? Union. Union, yeah, okay. Yeah. So, so, I played, played Aussie rules and then yeah. I was just no good. So, yeah, I swapped fair. over to rugby and I enjoyed that a lot better. Yeah. I always used to get caught holding the ball in footy because I always used to try and take everyone on. Yeah. <laughs> so, in rugby, you know, you don't have that problem. So, I was, yeah. I was happy enough. Well, that's, that's interesting because is union even played that much down in Melbourne? I was yeah, we didn't think yeah. so. That's why we assumed leagues. Not even leagues played a lot down there. Probably the same as in Sydney, right? Like private schools play union. Yeah, yeah. It's probably the AFL in Sydney equivalent to yeah. union in Melbourne. Yeah. So, yeah. so was it through school or local? Club? Yeah, through school. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And then as we move through, I know you really yeah, want to see yeah, this. Um, so, like, I heard on another podcast you did that you'd sleep on the floor of the gym mm-hmm. when early days to make sure you're always ready to go and ready to train if you needed to be. At train at a short notice instead of driving back home. So what was that like? Yeah, fuck. Like um, the, the one common thread between most fighters, unless you have the privilege of having really wealthy parents, which I didn't, or, yeah. you know, some benefactor who can help you out is that, um, you know, if you're in the AFL and you get drafted, like you, what's your base salary is getting drafted? Oh, like oh, 70? Yeah, yeah, about even, that even now, yeah. Now, right? So plus you have like your physio's done, mm. all that extra Dude, stuff, you need, your, your conditioning, yeah. training, food, like you're set, right? So your ability when you come into the game as an 18-year-old there is it's all on you, right? If, yeah. you, if you do the work and stuff, there's no factors. Whereas for every fighter, um, when you make that choice to be a professional, it's like <clears> I've got to support myself financially. I'm not going to make any money from fighting until I get to the UFC. Yeah. If I get to the UFC, and even when I get to the UFC, it's yeah. not great money to start either way. Yeah. So, like, it's quite a um, daunting prospect. But I always thought I had the ability to get here, and you know, the um, discipline to make it happen. So I was never worried about whether the money came, and I've never really been hugely driven by money. It's just like my parents aren't like that. It's it's not who I am. Yeah. But uh, yeah, at the start, I was um, I lived in Bacchus Marsh because apartments in Melbourne are so expensive to rent. There was just no way I could afford it. Um, so I didn't even have a car. I used to catch the train in to training in the morning, um, train from ten to twelve, then catch a train home, then train in the afternoon at my home gym in Melton from sort of three to four thirty or something like that. And then I would go down to the pub and pull beers and serve yeah. meals and palmers and yeah, shit wow. until you know eleven. Palmy yeah, up, up here, bro. Actually, have, <laughs> I used to be the tab, um, the tab attendant. Oh, yeah. oh that's where it started, <laughs> yeah, eh? Yeah, and. Um, yeah, so it was tough and like I had, I think I just told someone yesterday, I had uh, like my five tax returns before last year when I got into the UFC, like I didn't have one tax return over 25 grand. Oh, wow. Like, yeah, wow, okay. And, um, you know, then eventually my car, my first car I had my, I was lucky, like again, privileged in the sense that like my sister-in-law, my brother's partner um, is a doctor and she bought a new car mm-hmm. and gave me her one that she'd had when she was yeah, a teenager, 100%. right? 100%. So I'm like, fuck yeah, I got a car. It was like a Holden Barina, like 1999 or something. <laughs> Very threatening. Yeah, loved it. But, um, <laughs> so then what I started doing was I would 
drive on like a Monday and I'd have a packed bag. I'd have all my food with me, everything organized, drive down on a Monday, sleep at the gym in my coach's office on like a couch or the floor. We ended up getting a mattress. Um, then I'd wake up, train in the morning, train in the afternoon, and then I would go home, sort of replenish the kit, stay at home one night and go back in, sleep again Jeez. and that sort of thing. So yeah. it was, uh, it was, it, when people ask about it, it's like, it sounds a lot rougher than it is. Like yeah. Yeah. It's, once you get into a routine, humans are so adaptable, right? Like mm. you, you just get comfortable doing mm. it. So I would have like a routine that would be nice to me. I'd train in the night, I'd shower, I'd go, I'd have my iPad next to me, I'd watch a bit of TV, I'd eat, go to bed. So it wasn't that bad. But looking back on it now, I'm glad I've got an apartment in the city. I walk 500 meters to the gym. Yeah. And then walk yeah. so. so it was never at any point like, fuck this, like it's not worth it. You were just always, it's part of the grind. It's yeah, just the way it has to be. 100%. And people would say, like, like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm sleeping at the gym. And they'd be like, fuck, what are you doing? Like, that's yeah. my face. And I'd be like, oh, it's character building. <laughs> yeah. And what was it like? I reckon now it's a bit different, but probably when you were 18, you didn't have all these Australian fighters walking around. Like, you, you didn't really have Volk or um, Whitaker or Ty or yeah. yourself. Like, I reckon if an 18 year old's doing it now, their parents can see that, all right, Australia's starting to come in. Even the UFC wasn't as built as it is. It was yeah. probably just starting the rise yeah, just like then. Before the McGregor era, yeah. before yeah. the Rousey yeah. era. How did, so um, it was very much more diehard, let's make yeah. sure. Yeah, so how did your parents take that you wanted to push so hard to get into this thing that was so probably not mainstream yet? Yeah, like two very different reactions. So my dad, my dad was quite like hard on us as kids, but he was never hard like you have to do really well here. You have to go into this field. Like he was never restrictive like that. He always just like respected if you tried. Like yeah. effort. So like he loved watching me play rugby because I always tried really hard. I loved it. I trained hard, that sort of stuff. Um, and as soon as I said, I'm going to go to the UFC and I'm going to fight. And he saw like the dedication and the, the, the time I put into training. He was just like, sweet mate, like, do it. Yeah, like, nice. Go for it. Yeah, because lovely. that's like, purpose like you, you you're doing something you love you're grinding and that sort of stuff and he hasn't changed on that like he flies everywhere to watch me fight now and that sort of stuff mum it super supportive from a distance like she can't yeah. watch she, she 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 i know she likes all your comments yeah, yeah. She likes comments. <laughs> we were trying to chase we're like well we haven't got his attention yeah, but yeah, his mum knows who we are this, this podcast this podcast will go up and and she'll comment she'll be like Great job, boys. Just a classic mum. Eh? Yeah, same, same with our mum. They'll be watching as well. So. Yeah. Every Facebook post that goes up, she's like, good content, boys. Yeah. <laughs> Which is nice. So, yeah, pretty lucky in that regard that both of them, neither of them had a problem with it. Mum, like, just stresses. But yeah. mum's going to stress if you're a fucking bus driver, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, 100%. It's late when you drive, like, you know what I mean? Mm, yeah. she'll, uh, she'll find a way to worry. And then we, we move. What was your reaction into finally getting signed by the UFC? Obviously, that's all that. Is that your like point where you're like, I've made it? Or did you think there was yeah, a bit more? It's, it's a funny one because it's not I've made it, but it's definitely like it was a great feeling. Like I say, when I walked out at Perth, it made every sleep on the gym at the floor, every run late at night, yep. every meal you skip to make weight, all that sort of stuff. became instantly worth it the moment I walked out at UFC yeah. Perth. But that didn't mean I'm like satisfied there. It was like, yeah, oh, no, I still got a lot of work to do to get where I want to be. But it, it it was just like, all right, you did it. You got here. Now, time to show the world what you're really capable of. No, yeah. that's awesome. And this one comes from uh, the Dabble UFC king, Cammy Smooth. Yeah. He wanted to make sure he could just ask a question. He wanted to know along that line from, you know, local scene to UFC Perth, what was the fight that made you think, okay, yeah, I'm on for the UFC here. I can, ha I can hack it. I can hack it. Yeah, right. I, see, I believed it from like my first fight. And I'm not just yeah. saying that like to be like, oh, he's a confident guy. But I genuinely thought, because yeah. I was training with some guys who were in the UFC already and I know and my coaches always said, I, you know, I was good at certain things and you have a certain knack to pick up techniques. Like I, we would do a technique in a class. I'd get shown it once. We'd go roll and I'd be able to perform it like live, like with resistance against a partner. And they'd be like, Fuck, like this kid picks things up quick. So I always believed it, but probably like the, um, the fight for me where I went like, I absolutely deserve to be there now is when yeah. I lost to Jesse Medina in my fourth fight and he was ranked number two in the country and I was only my fourth fight. Mm. So I stepped up a lot to fight him and he submitted me in the second round. And um, then three or four years later, I had won the, na the national title and I wanted to rematch him for my first defense because I wanted to get that loss back. Yeah. And I like 
broke his leg in that fight and, yeah. and finished him in the second round. So he finished me in the second round. I, then I went and finished him in the second round. Mm. And that was the fight for me where I went like, I'm not the same young kid I was. Like, yeah. I'm I'm the guy coming into my prime now yeah. and, and I'm ready for the UFC. With yeah. your um two career losses, obviously they were back to back. How did you use that as like, motivation because it would have been hard as a young kid to take that on like how do you use that to fuel you to keep going yeah i was really lucky um i had good coach like andy who you just met my striking coach he kind of said to me he's like you have all the ability you just can't put it together in the cage like the guy you are at training is not the same guy who gets in in the cage so he goes what i think we should do is let's take a year off competing mma have some kickboxing fights do more grappling tournaments get because I'd never competed as an individual. I'd always only done team sports, right? Yeah. So he's like, you need to get comfortable competing as an individual and being able to translate what you do in the gym to the cage. Yeah. So we did. We took the 12 months off. I trained my ass off the whole time, but had like a kickboxing fight, had boxing sparring against really high-level boxers, did five or six grappling competitions where you have like five or six matches in a day. That sort of oh, thing. Oh, shit. Yeah, and just getting, just getting comfortable like, Training, competing, training, competing, training, competing. And then um, I came back from that and we're, you know, nine in a row. Yeah, Lovely. And throughout it, I just want to, very rarely do I hear you say the word if. Like, you know the old saying, no if, buts, or maybes, only absolutes. Mm. Almost every bit of media I've heard you go, hey, when I win on the weekend, mm. when I win at Contender Series, when I make the UFC, you know, when I sign my new contract, I am going to be a big player. It's not, oh, if I win, then I'll hopefully renegotiate and I'm, I'm hoping to be, a, you know, ranked down the line. It's always yeah. this is what's going to happen. So where does that mental toughness, self-belief come from? Like, and how is it maintained? Has you had it all your life or just um, self-confidence you got to sort I've of put on? I've always been, like, confident. Like, like my cousins and, and aunties and uncles and everyone will tell you, like, I've always just been, like, confident kid. Like, um, talk, like, when I was young, I was really happy having conversations with adults, like, as a kid. You know, some kids who talk to you and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that sort of thing. But the, the confidence there, like, honestly, it's a bit of fake it till you make it. Like, mm. you, if you walk around and, like, I had this conversation with my coach this week about cutting weight for the week. If I walk around and I'm like, oh, this sucks, I'm hungry, I feel shit, it's self-fulfilling, right? I will feel hungry, I will feel shit, I will not enjoy the week. Because if I walk around and I go, pretty lucky to be here, yeah. happy to be here, let's do it, then that will probably be my attitude and that will yeah. be how I recall the week and how mm. I feel at the time. So it's the same thing with my fights. It's like I'm acutely aware that I can go out there and lose a fight. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm acutely aware that I haven't signed a new contract and I could go out there and not perform well on Sunday and then, you know, I've shot myself in the foot. Mm. But they're the decisions you make. And if you're comfortable with the worst-case scenario, then you're free to just go for it anyway. And I'm comfortable. Like, I I, I know who I am inside and outside of fighting. So I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I, my, my whole identity isn't tied in the fact that I'm this fighter and I'm this UFC guy. I've got a good family. I've got a good partner. Um, you know, I know who I am. So I'm free to say those things and, you know, that's what I believe is going to happen. But if it doesn't, fuck, shit happens. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm still me. Fantastic attitude to have because I know so many other people would be complete opposite end of the scale. Yeah. Yeah, and with the UFC these days, you kind of see half the battle is actually like actually like fighting mm. it's a lot of like selling the fight yeah, as selling well the tickets and selling yeah. the tickets do you find that you have to be a personality as well or is that just comes with it and just naturally like just the way you're talking yeah i think i like i don't i think one thing you have to be is genuine like you have to be the person mm. that you are in day-to-day life in front of the cameras yeah but that doesn't mean you can't lean into parts of your personality that are more interesting and more mm, subtle. Yeah. Like there's a part of me that's like a fucking mope who you know, <laughs> isn't very interesting and yeah. likes to sit on the couch and do fuck all. But th- that's not very endearing or sellable. And and there's parts to me that loves the racing, loves going out with the boys, loves playing golf, yeah. you know, um, or all the sort of stuff that people find, you know, endearing, like people that people like it. And um, when it comes to selling fights, I'm just trying to, be as authentic as I can to myself, but to the parts that I think will sell well. Yeah. yeah. So, like I don't, yeah. you don't need to talk, you don't need to, you know, talk about shit that no one wants to hear about. You can yeah. be vanilla. It's really easy as a fighter to fall into being vanilla. Yeah. Right? Because you're like, 
you get asked a question, you're like, well, what's the best way to answer this? And you're like, oh, whatever. Yeah, you know, whatever the UFC gives me, yeah, whoever's next, yeah. you know, I'm just happy, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, that's the answer. That's the easiest answer. Mm. The harder answer is to, to say what you actually think or what you yeah. want and put yourself out there. Like, it's easy to say certain things, but for me, it's like, oh, you say you're going to win. It's like, yeah, I'm putting it all online. I'm going to win. I'm going to win this way. I'm going to renegotiate my contract. I'm going to be top 15. And then that's harder because you're going out there. And then if you lose, you know you're going to get the comments like, oh, he was talking about yeah. top 15. He couldn't yeah. even beat this fucking guy, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And it's like, well, I'm going to get that shit anyway. So fuck, I might as well say what I want to do, say what how I'm going to get there and then go for it. Um. So yeah, as you said before, mate, you were like, you worked in the tab at the pub, like you said, so how you fell in love with um horse racing. How did that come about? Um. So my nana took me to Mooney Valley when I was a kid and, um, you know, sort of grew up my brother was involved with horses a little bit um not race riding but you know just general pony club type stuff yeah. um so grew up a little bit around horses but really fell in love with the racing side of thing when my nana took me to mooney valley and i just loved it um you know before i'm, I'm probably one of the rare ones with I, I kind of fell in love with it before i fell in love with punting like I, yeah i genuinely loved the stories like and the romance of it of like you know the maccabi divas like i was probably how old was I? Like ten when Maccabi Diva yeah. was was coming through. Mm. Um, and obviously Melbourne Cup so big. Used to watch those, and then a little bit older, and we had So You Think, and I'm like, oh, I love this horse. Yeah. So you think, and then you go through, and um, I ended up where I was. One day I was in class, and um, this lady named Tracy, she was like a teacher's aide in the class, and um, I was talking to someone, and they were asking me like, who won every Melbourne Cup, like back to like 1970. <laughs> And I was like, oh, I might empower this year if I miss this year. And I can't do it anymore, actually, but I used to be able to do it. And then she goes, oh, you really like horse racing? I'm like, yeah, I love it. And she goes, my husband's a jockey and we train horses out on our farm. Oh. And I said, oh, you're kidding. And she's like, do you want to come do work experience on our farm? Yeah, wow. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. So on school holidays, I went out there and um, learned how to strap horses, What you know, would take them off him when he'd finished the track work, bring him back into the shed to the strappers to wash down, that sort of stuff. And just like that made me more engrossed yeah. it and enjoyed it even more. And then obviously um, as you get a bit older, you start to like to punt as well and um, just love doing form, love trying to find an edge. And it's like I'm a big advocate for like gambling responsibly and, you know, recognising that punting is like – just entertainment value. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's not investing. It's not. No. Like, it's not like follow Jack's tips because he knows what he's talking about. It's like no, no. Bit this is entertainment yeah. for Jack. Mm-hmm. Who is it? Um, and uh, I, but I do have so much fun, like getting up with one of my mates, Toddy or Whitey, and on a Saturday morning grabbing a coffee before we go to Flemington and like looking over the form and being like, yeah, oh yeah, this was huge last run. Blah blah. Yeah. Just that that gets me going. And then now as I as I've um, my profile has gotten a little bit bigger. It's opened up opportunities for me to, you know, exploit the fact that I do follow the racing really close. Yeah. I yeah. reckon it's a pretty similar story to us because we're like only 21 coming into it and we used to watch racing obviously through our old man's like just he, they loved the racing and then we've learned it and now we've like, yeah, started our, obviously our business and our podcast through it and um, yeah, we love it. Because so I can much. I can go to the track and not have a single bet and just watch. hundred percent. Like yeah, I was doing a presentation to a lot of international students at uni last week, yeah. and I was telling them, I was like, me personally, like each their own opinion, but like one of the best sounds in the world, the thunder of the hooves going down the straight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I'll yeah. go I go watch track work at like five o'clock in the morning. Oh really? Yeah. Just like I'll just go watch. Yeah, oh. horses work at Mooney Valley. Yeah, no. It's like I'll, I'll be one of the only people in the stands at Rose Hill Trials just because yeah, yeah. I want to just, just – if I've got a free morning, like, I'll go down, yeah, I'll see which horse is looking good. Working well. Yeah, and it, actually, like, I'm, I love trying to find them in the yard, like seeing who looks a bit fired up or yeah. see if I can lay a favourite that's not looking good or yeah. something like that. Yeah. And uh, last year I had one of my best days on um, – it was Cox Plate Day where I backed, like – I backed like I reckon six winners and a second or something like that. Yeah, but nice. one of the best days I've ever had. And I'd gone to breakfast with the best on the Tuesday and just yeah. tried to pick out the ones that I thought looked mm. really good in track work. And whether I was on the money there, I was mm. a bit lucky or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I'm still gonna nah, you were good. Yeah, <laughs> You'll take it. There's a guy who's like a racing uh, racing dot com presenter. His name's Maddie, and um, I did his radio show. And then after the radio show, I sent him all my notes. I said like this for this race, this for this race. And then he came back to me on the day after the race. He goes, Matt, you've picked like you've picked a cart. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, you can actually spot him. And then he's organised some stuff for me. So it was pretty good. 
Yeah. yeah. And then we send you, you've commented on our post, a bit of banter going around about Zaki. Yeah. yeah. I'm just a huge Zaki. Big Zaki. Obviously, yeah. obviously an emotional attachment. So don't take, <laughs> don't take me back in Zaki for any kind of form. But why do you think we've been on Nature Strip every Sunday? Yeah, even yeah, though since he's gone backwards. Boys, yeah. <laughs> but look, the, the thing with Zaki is I just love the horse. Um, I was, I was deep on him when to win the Cox Plate when he got scratched the year Animal and State of Wrestling. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I just love the story. Annabelle Nishan's first, like, big horse as a trainer and how quickly she rose through the ranks. Um, it, it, it's it's great. And probably my favourite thing ever was I was a big Zaki fan all, all last year and the year before and then backed him in the All-Star Mile when he won it. And uh, then me and my dad went to Champion Stakes Day and we had a spring, like, punters club, mm. just me and him. And he's like, don't tell me how much is in it. Like, let's just figure it out, whatever. And then we got to the last day and we'd had a couple of bets and we weren't going great on stakes day. And I said, dad, this is like, it's the end of spring. So we're either leaving with some cash or we're not. No, and he goes, all right, are we going to back Zaki? And I said, well, not yet. I said, let's watch the champions mile. And if alligator blood goes to the front on the rail mm. and leads and wins, we'll put everything on Zaki. Yeah. Because if that, if that race pattern is there for him, yeah. he'll take yeah. it. Come and copy. Yeah, and all we needed, to, we just needed him to run a good tempo because that's his thing. He's not a big turn of foot mm. horse. He's, he runs people into the yeah. ground. So uh, we went and I went, right, so I've gone across like four different bookies and, and put put a fair, fair bit of cash on Zaki. <laughs> and um, he's come down and I reckon somehow like it's just got around the rooftop at the members that like everyone's getting on Zaki. Yeah. And all of a sudden it turns the corner and they've been running quick sectionals and I'm like, he's going to bury him here. And he kicked two lengths clear at the turn and I went, fuck, he's gone. And I started cheering like early. Like, yeah. like <laughs> my mate, my mate who was on with us, like he's gotten up on the chairs and he's like, yeah, and he's like, go on the big boy. <laughs> and then he ended up winning by what, half a length in the end. And uh, yeah. just one of the best memories, me and my dad going off, the whole rooftop erupting and like closing out the spring like that. And uh, my old man was walking around um, the rest of the night. He had his suit jacket on and he had $100 notes as his pocket square. Yeah. And he was just like, I don't And I was like, like mum, come get that. <laughs> so it was, a, it was a good day. And obviously memories like that, it, it, I hope that he comes back. And you know, I think he needs a little bit lighter load this year. Um, mm, in the lead yeah. up. So hopefully maybe one or two more runs than the Cox Plate. I don't want to see him run in the Underwood and the Maccabi. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Cox Plate into the Champion Stakes, and I hope it. I hope the Cox Plate is a grand final for a lot of those guys, and he's not. It's his grand final. I'd like to see him just lead at the Cox Plate. Don't run him into the ground though. Just get the fitness in, and then two weeks later have a bit go of for a, the champions. Bit of time off and just bury him in the champions. Yeah, and then don't retire. Mind that. Don't mind. Yeah, yeah I agree. you're the only one to win three stakes. <clears throat> Yeah, so that's the same with Nature Show. We talked about it on our podcast yesterday. Such a we like absolutely adore the horse. I I never not backed it in the three what three years since I turned eighteen. Yeah. I always backed it except for last week actually. Yeah. You're and, in, yeah. But geez, I wish they retired him as soon as he got back from Mascot. Yeah, I reckon he didn't need to go again. He had no, he did he had nothing to prove. As soon as he, he faded in the Everest, he yeah. should have been done. Yeah, I agree. But like maybe yeah, maybe after the Ascot, Everest, give him the Everest yeah, again because exactly. it's such a big race because yeah. he he had potential to win that and everyone did think he was going to win that. But after that Everest, yeah, there was no need. Yeah, and I can see the I can see the allure for the owners and stuff. And if he was if he was presenting well in the yard and the paddock and everything, I can yeah. see how they go give him a couple more runs. But especially as a girl, clear after the week, it was, yeah, exactly. yeah. it was clear after the weekend. Wrap it up. Um, yeah. yeah, but what a champion! Yeah, like me, very elegant. I was crying when I found out she was going to Europe. <laughs> I can't believe that was one of the worst decisions. I think because I was like, yeah, she can do Europe, and then the Queen Elizabeth stakes happened, and went, oh my god, don't take her. Yeah, yeah, don't. Ta- and Chris Wallace said, we're not taking her, and the owners went, no, we're going to take yeah. her. Yeah, that was the the big thing is like if Waller had said off day we did some things wrong in the prep, she's missed up here, but she's still good to go. You would go sweet, but when the owners go. We're taking her off you and we're taking her overseas. Nah. It's like, mm. oh, I don't know. I don't agree with that. Just like it, it brings me back to I was so shattered when they sold So You Think out from Bart. They took they took So You Think off yeah. Bart and took yeah. him over to Aiden O'Brien. And that wasn't the same circumstance because he went over there and won like, what, five fucking hmm. months yeah. in Europe yeah. in, in staying races against the best in the world. So he was a freak. But I still thought like, don't take him off Bart in that way. Like, yeah. like he would have, he hundred percent would have won three Cox plates, maybe four. Yeah. Right. They, they probably would have retired him after the third and sent him to stud anyway. But like Seamus Award won the Cox plate the year after. So you think like he was a maiden. Mm. There was just no depth in that race. He would have won yeah, three for 100%, sure. Yeah. 
100%. And we, me, and, me and Cash have had a bit of an argument about this. Kind of putting you on the spot here, but can you name me top five horses in Australia currently? Right now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, number one, I wish I win. Yeah. Um, even after the weekend, I think he was uh, brilliant. I thought he got checked like, and lost a couple of strides. He mm-hmm. would have gone past Mr. Broadside, I think. Not his best distance and had no right to be there with the gate and the yep. way the track played. Um, Mr. Brightside, number two. Yeah. Can't argue with yep, what he's 100%. done. Um, number three, uh, Amelia's Jewel. Yeah. Uh, I think she's a phenomenal racehorse. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing her over in the spring and kind of break that kind of West Australian horse stigma. That yeah. he ex- I'm that laughing. Exactly we'll, get, what... we'll get to I'll a later. I'll let you finish, but, yeah. but yeah. yeah, keep going. Um, number four, I... Zaki, purely emotional. Don't don't come at me. <laughs> Fingers crossed there. And number five, um, you know, I, I sort of flip and flop between like, is it who I think's the best horse right now, or who I think's going to have the best spring? Yeah. And I think a horse that's going to have the best spring is Francesco Guardi. Yeah. Um, so I'll put Francesco Guardi at number five because it's obviously just in at the moment getting runs for fitness, and I don't think their runs have been without merit. Um, so. We'll be in again, get another fitness ride this weekend at the Valley, and then get set for the Caulfield Cup. Time to get Cup, serious you know when I they mean, get to the longer like, distances. Yeah, set for that Caulfield Cup. And the way she ran last year um, in the Mooney Valley Gold Cup. So, yeah, yeah. So it was in the Melbourne Cup maybe. Yeah, 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 and they took it out because they said still a little green, still maybe not furnished enough to go the two-mile yeah. at the Group 1 handicap yeah. level, so pull out. Who knows? I like Francesco Guardi, yeah. Nah. Uh, your uh, your top was... three is the same as mine. He So his top five, he didn't put I Wish I Win in, and he didn't put um, Amelia's Jewel. Jewel. Oh. And we had yeah. a bit of an argument last night. <laughs> We've been fighting tooth and nail. Prove, and I said, I I um, competed at Arcadia Queen a little bit with right. um, Arcadia Queen, won easily over in Western Australia, came down to Melbourne, won. I'm pretty sure she won a group one as well. Yeah. Or he won a group one. Like in, she broke the hoodoo, but my <clears> argument is, like you said, not many, like, because WA is chalk and cheese, completely yeah. different. So I'm happy to put her in top five as soon as the spring ends and she's but come the, over and yeah, obliterated them. My argument is she's won over there, like, comfortably, like, yeah. better than Arcadia Queen won when she was over there. And then coming to Melbourne, I think you just have to put her in there. I think yeah. she's going to have an like, awesome spring, I reckon. Again, if you like the romance of it, you love the idea of Amelia's Jewel coming over and being super competitive. Yeah. Again. Oh, I'd love it, but like until it happens, I just yeah. Like I said, and and <laughs> and I when I said who's going to have a poor spring compared to what everyone thinks, I said Amelia's Jewel purely because like I feel like she'll just run into one better. Like our fangirl had to deal with Anima her whole career, and now finally gets clean air. Probably going to have a massive spring. Yeah, I think Amelia's Jewel is going to get stuck she's in a lot of those races where she's running into Fangirl or running that. into Mister Brightside yeah. or running into I Wish I Win. No, I can see a thought pattern there. It'd be interesting to see how they all line up because I've got no idea about like final destinations for them either. Like, yeah, have they so. said Golden Eagle definitely for Amelia's I, Jewel? Or I don't. I, yeah, they've said know. it's. Cox or Mel, not Cox or Melbourne Cup, Cox or Golden Eagle, mm. depending on the first few runs. Yeah. It's similar how Probably I think Cox, Waller said, Probably. same with Kovalika. Like, we'll see if it's Golden mm. or Cox, depending on the first few runs, see yeah. how sharp he is. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. That's my theory. I'm happy to be wrong. I'm very happy <laughs> to be wrong. But that's currently what I'm sitting at. Because I had without a fight in my top five. Yeah, right. I, I, think, I, I can't argue with that. Like, yeah. Good horse. Yeah. Set for the Caulfield Cup, they've said. Yeah. No, I think he'll be very, very competitive. Because I was on him in the Melbourne Cup and – then it rained and went to shit. But yeah. if he gets dry tracks, I think he'll explode. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Is there anything else you want to ask about horse racing? Any or? futures bets you have on now? Or? Yeah, uh, I've got one. Um, I've got Wolfie for the Caulfield Guineas. Wolfie? Wolfie, yeah. He's uh, two starts, second in both, um, one behind Shiva. Um, and I can't remember who he ran second to in the first. Um, but real talented and has had, like, no luck. The, the 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 first start um, ran on from like dead last and was storming home. Looked really good. Second start behind Shiva led and it was just so young and green. Second start like when it was in front had no one to follow, nowhere to go, so it just carried on, moved around, yeah. bopped its head. Um, and I, I really liked the way it galloped. So I'm on Wolfie, not uh, not in a big way, but I've got it 101 for the yeah, field fair. Guineas. Very so, yeah, that. There's nothing Hopefully else. Hopefully it pulls off. Yeah, yeah, and obviously Francesco Guardi. I can't take 11 bucks now. Yeah. No, a lot of water to go under the bridge yeah, before a Caulfield or a Melbourne Cup. to happen. 
Um, and I, I think if you're going to have a bet in a futures market, find something you like in the Cox Plate because I think Romantic Warriors Hong Kong form might be a little overrated. The more I've looked into it, um, and Zach Purton said the same on a podcast the other day, he said he doesn't think that that Romantic Warrior form is as strong as people believe it is. So, yeah. You know, and he's coming over to ride light infantry and we've got some three-year-olds. It could be pretty exciting and stuff as well. So Yeah, yeah I'm on Osmosis in the Cornwall. That's the only oh, features yeah, yeah. I've got. You love yeah, Osmosis, big yeah. on Osmosis. He loves Osmosis. Spotted him at the, we're going to the trials in a couple of weeks, the yeah. first two-year-old trials. Right. Last year, spotted it, went, fuck. Yeah, this guy's yeah. quick. Like, I know I it was... It. I backed it when you boys were spruiking it. Yeah. Like, I know he was riding it out and, like, um, King, Rachel King was riding it out more than the others were, but I still thought... Fuck, he's very quick. I yeah. think he can get it done. And then when I we spruiked it, I had half people going, fuck yeah, we got up. And then the others were going, you're a dickhead. You got a sixty shot. Good on you. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But- well, the thing is, you tip, you tip five five winners at two bucks. Yeah. And people are like, yeah, you just pick favourites. Fuck off. And but they then, won. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. Somebody picks one fucking, one thing running at 17 bucks or something, and you're like a hero. And yeah. It's like, like when I when I was spruiking Dunkel. Yeah, Dunkel. Dunkel, right? Yeah. It was like, to be fair, that one, I had some people win real big cash. <laughs> in excess of 50 grand. I oh, jeez. So that was like a, a rare one. But when I when I was spruiking Dunkel, and people are like, fuck, he's picked on Cal. It was 17 to 1. And they crunched it in. It ended yeah. up yeah, on the dude. code. It was like five bucks. Yeah. yeah. And um, and then it won and won impressively. And But like, well, people forget about that pretty quick. And they're like, you're fucking tipping favorites. Yeah, they're favorites for a reason. Yeah. It's a game um, of opinion. I love it, it but you hate it. You yeah. Everyone's going to have a different opinion yeah. here in racing. Do you own any horses? Do you own any? You got no, any? no, no. I'm hoping to get one soon. There's a couple of exciting young ones um, I've got my eye on, but. Um, until I, uh, I think until I can get a house and, and have a lot of that yeah, fair enough. with my, uh, partner, I don't think it's going to be yeah. priorities, priorities. Nah, fair hey, enough. Hey babe, we've been broke for seven years. We've, we've got, got a horse. We've just, <laughs> just got a little bit of money and I've put it into a horse. Yeah. And that house you got, want, and, we've got a horse. Yeah, and <laughs> we've got to pay training fees and it might be shit. So it's your fault for letting me go to the yeah. Magic Million sale. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is a bad investment. So again, it's same as uh, the ownership of the horses. I look at it the same way I'm where I gambling. It's like, it's an entertainment thing for me. It's yep. not an investment. And, until I have um, some assets and some solidarity in that, I won't, no, be, I won't be buying That's what my uncle says. He's like, you buy it for fun. You don't buy it so you need them to win. Otherwise, yeah, exactly. you're going broke. 100%. Yeah. yeah. We'll move into the footy now. Big yeah. Swanee supporter. Seen yeah. a lot of back and forth with you in the Lizard as well. He's, yeah. Uh, um, so, yeah, what, how'd that come about? South Melbourne boy? Or? Yeah, so some of my family, the Morwood boys, um, played for South Melbourne back in um, – when they were still based in Melbourne. And then when they moved to Sydney, they all came up here. And then, you know, Shane ended up going to Collingwood and Paul came back down to St Kilda. Tony was the only one who stayed. Um, and he ended up being in the Swans team of the century and um, yeah, well. being the team manager for the Swans. And he managed their Melbourne operation for the whole time. So there's kind of a family connection there. Yeah. And, um, and my best friend, Lockie, his old man, Nick, played for the Swans. So when I was at that age, we just thought to start a pick-your-own-team, like five, mm. six. I was like, well, my best friend goes to the Swans. His dad played, you know. He's pretty cool. Yeah. Bang, Swan. Yeah. And then it was like, how good was timing? Broke the longest drought in premiership history in 05 and I was there. My dad took me. Oh, Um, wow. It was just crazy. And then, you know, I've I've, I've just been in love with him since. And, yeah, try and get around the boys like Blizzard and Paps and Heaney and that. So, it's good. Yeah, nice, nice. What do you reckon this year? How do you reckon, obviously – they got Carlton um, this week. Yeah, Carlton not t- tomorrow night. So yeah. Yeah. it's hard to be upset with anything as a Swan supporter. I feel like we're so blessed. Like I agree. We have a shit year, and like people complain about their teams having a shit year. Swans have a shit year, and I'm like, no, oh, we'll be back. We'll be back next year. Yeah, such a good culture, and you mm. never feel you never have that like dire straits yeah. feel that like you know these Carlton's and these Essendon and stuff where they just feel like their club's just a rubble. Like, yeah, what are we gonna do? I just never feel like that with the Swans. So. Look, we've got so many fucking good young players. Oh, 100%. Unbelievable 100%. Best youngest um, in the comp by yeah. a mile. The, the culture's still really good, like yeah. the blood's culture and everything. I like I like the way the team talks about footy and the way they talk about each other and stuff. So, yeah. And yeah. Uh, I think if we if we win against Carlton, I think that probably exceeds expectations. 100%. If we lose against Carlton, I think we probably sit 
just below expectations for the season. But with the injuries we had and stuff yeah. like that, I think you can't you can't hate on it. Yeah. yeah. So I'll enjoy the game and, and just sit back. I yeah, think anything's a positive after the granny because the trend, if you, that happens in the granny, usually right to the bottom. Yeah. But you bounce back. You made finals the year after. It doesn't happen often. So yeah. everything's a bonus from here, I'd say. Yeah. So that, that granny, I was that was the week I was in. It was, so I fought on September 27 on Contender Series to get into the UFC. Yeah. It's the like biggest week of my life. And I'm sitting there with the laptop. <laughs> watching the footy on like a Saturday night because you fight on a Tuesday night for contender series. Yeah. Remember sitting there and at half time just going. <laughs> yeah, me, me and um me and my brother at the game and we'll go we went to Mooney Valley the night before we had a pretty big night at the Manicado. Yeah, yeah. Cool and and then um the, yeah cool and gather we back. Oh no the Moya yeah. stage, sorry, yeah yeah. And um yeah we were like all right we won't drink any piss for this game. Like we're, like up there got to quarter time I'm like all right like we We'll be all right. Got halfway through the first, uh, second quarter. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go get some beers, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, we had, because we, we actually got really lucky. We bought tickets maybe like four months out, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, like two months or three months out right. going, we've never been to a grand final. We'll just go yeah. to a grand final. We're at the prelim. Swans make the final. We're like, holy fuck. We're like on the goal line of the prelim where like they rush that point. And I'm screaming at Jake Lloyd going, there's fucking three seconds left, bro. There's three seconds left. And then we make the grand final and then, yeah, just... Yeah, it didn't go, didn't have that fairy tale (laughs) ending, but... Not at all. Even a good game, you still enjoy the atmosphere, but that game was like... <sighs> nah, hundred percent. At half time, we had big loose. Like, oh, maybe we're a sniff, but like, yeah, yeah it just didn't end up going how we wanted to. Wasn't but um, good. But I just don't understand the chat this year with Swans going about how shit they're going. We had so many close games. Got a bit obviously so unlucky with injuries. We would have come top four if all those little things come like. Hey, you can say that about the Bulldogs us. as well. But then we lost to West Coast, so we didn't yeah. lose to West Coast. We <laughs> got two hundred points against them, mate. Yeah. So. <laughs> But like that's what I'm saying. It's like all this and the, all this hate against Sydney at the moment because of the, the Crows incident as well. Yeah. It's not our fault. Yeah. What like, are we do about it. Sorry. Like yeah. we're not gonna. We can't do anything yeah. about it. Like we're not complaining. No. <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah. Um, um, last couple of questions. Yeah. yeah pretty yeah, much. Um, have to head off soon, so. Yeah. No worries. Um, we do it with every single one. Last question is, what's next? Like we talked about earlier, it's no if buts and maybe. It's only absolute. So win this weekend. What's next for Jack Jenkins? Um, I'm going to New Zealand for a couple of weeks. Oh, Lovely. Yeah, yeah. Going to, going to relax before the spring carnival. Um, like I said, um, my partner, Britt, been with me since my first fight, essentially, um, or maybe second fight or third. Um, but be, been there all along. And over the time, never been on one holiday together, really. Oh, wow. Well. It wasn't training or, yeah. or yeah. something. Um, so said after this one, all right, we'll, we'll go to New Zealand for a couple of weeks. So won't think past Chepe, but, um, I don't, I don't see myself doing anything other than sort of relaxing. Nah, well deserved. It's a long time coming for you. So that'll be nice. All right, mate. Well, really appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thank you. So yeah, thanks guys. Alrighty guys, that's the interview done and dusted. Another massive thank you to Jack for fitting us in in his very, very busy schedule. We hope you liked it. If you did, make sure to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever you're listening. We really do appreciate the support as we continue to get bigger and better with every single episode. Big thank you to our sponsors at Stridle as well for making it all happen. Head to stridle.com now to check out some ripping horse racing content over on their side. But above all else, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you in the next one.